What's good, everybody? This is your boy Manny, and you're listening to another episode of Talking Sports with Manny. Let's go. All right, everybody, man, welcome to another episode of Talking Sports with Manny. Today, we have a special guest, Brad Fowler, host of the Pint Glass Football Podcast, a weekly NFL and college football po- uh, college football podcast on Apple Sports, Spotify, and all other major uh, podcast apps. Season three starts in April with the NFL draft coverage. Follow Brad on Instagram and Twitter at PGF Podcast. Once again, that's Brad Fowler at PGF Podcast. Brad, welcome to the show, my brother. How are you? Doing good. Hey, thanks for having me on. Really excited to talk some football with you today and looking forward to it. Thanks again. Absolutely. Absolutely. So today there were two major news that happened in the NFL. And we're going to start with the lesser uh, news, which was Alex Smith being cut from the Washington football team. What do you think of that move? You know, it's one of those situations where we were all rooting for Alex Smith, right? The comeback player of the year, the the tragic injury. I think it was awesome to see him come back last season and get some playing time and have some success on the field. But let's face it, the NFL is still a business. And after the feel-good story is over, you, Washington had no choice but to release him. This was a situation where they need to look for their future quarterback. We know Alex Smith is not that guy. They need a younger a more mobile quarterback, a a guy that's less injury prone, quite frankly, and less expensive. And that's the key point here is that Alex Smith's contract hit was going to be $24 million for the Washington football team. Mm -hmm. And after cutting him, that's going to free up $13.6 million that they can spend elsewhere. And this is a roster that's got a good defense, but they've still got some holes to fill. It's a team that they're trying to build around their new coach, Ron Rivera. And so I think it was really a situation where it frees up some cap space and they can move into the future with the quarterback position. Absolutely. And me being a big Washington football fan, um, you know, I was never for Alex Smith when he came to D.C., but I applaud everything that he did, especially last season, you know, coming back from injury and, you know, having a remarkable story. But, I mean, he didn't play the best football of his career either, you know, and can that leg hold up? So, I personally, I think that was a great move, letting Alex Smith go right now. And then it kind of gives them time to go ahead and find a new team. You know, it's better to cut him now than to cut him late into the year. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a great point. And I think it's the fair thing to do, like you said, because it is going to give him time to try to find a new team, whether it's in a backup role or maybe for a team where he can compete for a starting job. And I think it was the respectful move it was the right move and the financially the right move for Washington as well. So it's sad, I think, for a lot of people to see that storyline and, and, you know, people are rooting for him and I'm rooting for him, quite frankly. I'd, I'd love to see him go on and have some success somewhere else. But I just think it was the move Washington had to make. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the next big news today was J.J. Watt. You know, there were some rumors that came out today. Um, There was like some like some fake J.J. Watt guy called K.J. Watt. And he had three teams out there and uh, Field Yates posted it saying that, you know, he was interested in Green Bay, Buffalo. And I can't think of the last team. And then J.J. Watt comes back and says, yo, that's not me. And this and that. Next thing you know. He's like, I'm going to Arizona. That is huge. And when you look at Arizona and 
J.J. Watt get, get into pair with Chandler Jones in the last few years since 2012. Both guys are the two guys with the most sacks in the NFL in that span. So what do you think of this move, J.J. Watt, to the Arizona Cardinals? You know, I think this is actually a splashier move on paper than it is uh, in reality. You know, it's funny how Watt said he wanted to be uh, be out of Houston so that he could play for a winning franchise. And I just think that's kind of a joke because this deal was about the money. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves here. This was a $31 million deal with $23 million guaranteed to play for an 8-8 eight and eight team that really fell apart down the stretch. Exactly. And they're also playing in the best division in the NFC. I'm not sure how this makes sense if you're trying to play for a winning franchise. I think there was a lot of other teams that he could have signed for, probably mm-hmm. for less, but at least been contending for a championship. There's right. not a terrible football team, but I really don't think this it gets him any closer to a Super Bowl. And I think it also means that most likely the Cardinals, Cardinals are not going to be able to re-sign Patrick Peterson or Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick at this point. Right. I just think this was a splashy move got by a guy who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's coming mm-hmm. off one of the worst seasons of his career. And right. I think it was really a bad move for J.J. Watt, and I think it was a bad move for Arizona, quite frankly. Mm, that's interesting. That's an interesting take. Um, so the numbers that I was talking about, it said most sacks in the NFL since the start of 2012 season. Chandler Jones with 97 sacks and J.J. Watt with 95.5. And somebody asked me a question. They were saying, well, what are the stats from the last uh, three years? In the last three years, Chandler Jones has 33 and J.J. Watt has 25. That's like eight plus sacks a year, no matter how you slice it per guy. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think it's a good pairing between these two. And what this says to me is that you might have some guys who might want to come to Arizona as they're trying to build a championship contending team. Now, does this J.J. Watt move put him over the top? No, because like you said, Hassan Riddick, he's going to go. You know, they can't re-sign him unless he takes a discount, which would be stupid of him. And then Patrick Peterson was already calling it quits anyways with the Cardinals. So um, that's actually one of my prized free agent targets that we're going to talk about once we get into this show. So um, it's interesting that J.J. Watt took the money. Um, I do see the upside for Arizona Cardinals. I had a hot take today, and my hot hot take was uh, this team finishes uh, as the best team in that tough division. That's just my hot take. It's probably not going to happen, but um, I can definitely see this team winning um, 10 to 11 games and possibly, um, you know, have a shot at competing for a title. But we have to see what happens. I do feel that their offense is good enough, but they do have some holes at running back. And then also uh, they do have, uh, you know, other issues here and there. But we'll see what happens. You know, crazier things have happened. You know, teams that you think are going to be good end up not being as good. So it's definitely an interesting situation to monitor. But kind of wanted to switch gears here a little bit. Uh, so we want to take a look at, you know, teams that have the most money in free agency. And I pulled up some numbers um, everywhere that I looked for this info. Um, two places had it. And I went with uh, went with Sports Track because, you know, they're pretty consistent. They're pretty solid uh, people. So Jacksonville has the most money right now. And, you know, the, the numbers can fluctuate. So right now they have Jacksonville at 82K uh, in cap space. They have uh, the Jets at 73K. You have New England at 68. 
You have uh, Indianapolis at 50. You have Denver at 47. You have Washington at 43. But with the Alex Smith uh, move, that probably pushes them into the 50s. Uh, then you have um, Cincinnati at 43K, then Carolina at 37, uh, the Chargers at 31, and then to wrap up the uh, the top 10, you have Miami at 28. So out of these teams that I kind of mentioned, um, who do you think can make the most splash? Or who do you think out of these top 10 teams in terms of money, Jacksonville, uh, Jets, New England, uh, Colts, Denver, Washington, Cincinnati, Carolina, Chargers, Miami. Who do you think can make the most splash to improve their team out of, out of this team? Well, I think Jacksonville and the Jets are both fascinating because they also are teams that we know are drafting one and two mm-hmm. in, in the upcoming draft. And I think that's going to be fascinating as well. I think we all know that Trevor Lawrence is pretty much the lock for the number one pick. And you've got Urban Meyer coming in in Jacksonville. So you've got a new regime, a lot of, a lot of things getting shaken up in Jacksonville. And so I think that's interesting to kind of see what they're going to do with that money. Now I'm a firm believer that you don't go after the big splashy free agents, the big expensive free agents that usually, you know, his NFL history tells us that that usually doesn't end well. I think the best move for them is to try to spread that money out and try to fill as many holes as you can. And that's probably really the same case for the jets for that matter. Uh, It'll be fascinating to see kind of where the jets go as far as the draft, if they're going to trade out of that spot. Some people think they might take a, a quarterback or possibly an offensive tackle and try mm-hmm. to give Sam Darnold some more protection. I think there's a lot of directions they could go. So those two teams are really fascinating because they've got some talent in places, but they've also got a lot of holes and they've got a lot of rebuilding to do. So I, I think it's one of those situations where maybe you don't go after the big name free agent, but you try to spread that money out and fill as many holes as possible. I agree. I totally agree. I remember last year, Miami Dolphins were in a similar situation. And what did they do? They spread that money around there. There wasn't really a free agent that they brought in besides Byron Jones, you know, that kind of like moved the needle. Everybody else, like Eric Flowers, low-key sign-in, and um, a couple of linebackers that they got. But that team was able to draft the quarterback, right? And then they were able to win 10 games. They didn't make the playoffs, obviously, because the AFC was so tough. But Miami pretty much have given teams the blueprint. If you're drafting a quarterback because that quarterback is in that um, is in that mold of that rookie contract, that's a, a valuable asset to where if you do bring the right quarterback in like a Trevor Lawrence and then you have the money to spend, let's say, you know, you have holes, but let's say that one of the guys that you want to grab, like let's say a Chris Godwin, I mean, to me personally, I think he's elite. So, you know, if you're going to draft a Trevor Lawrence, you want to make sure that he's protected. And you want to make sure that he has weapons in order for him to have the best success. We also saw that they lost Leonard Fournette. So they do have a lot of holes, like you mentioned. So it's going to be really intriguing to see if they focus more on the offensive side with that money or or the defensive side. And they have, I believe, maybe 14 draft picks. So they have a lot to work with. That's a coach's, a coach's dream right there, coming in, getting to draft your own quarterback, having a ton of picks and having a ton of money. So I'm intrigued to see what they do with that team. 
Yeah, I'm with you as well. And when you've got that much draft capital, it does give you some flexibility because you could trade some of those picks. You could package some of those picks, maybe make a trade, pick up a veteran who can fill one of those holes, or you can move up in the draft and go after some guys that you're really high on. I have a feeling with Urban Meyer there that they're going to address the offensive side. He's kind of an offensive guy, and he's got his quarterback. I think he's going to want to build this team a, a little bit around the offense maybe at first. Now, I don't. that doesn't mean I don't think he'll address that defense, but I do think they're going to try to get some offensive linemen to try to protect this young quarterback, and I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised if they went after a veteran wide receiver, somebody that can come in and make an instant impact. Now, this is a deep wide receiver class similar to last year, but I still think the smart move there would be to get a veteran guy who can come in right away and knows how to play at this level. Absolutely, absolutely. So, man, I'm excited for free agency. It's kind of like Christmas for me. Um, you know, you have all these guys, and I love the wide receiver group. Uh, that's one of my favorite position groups, both in free agency and the draft. I'm just a wide receiver guy. Um, so, which leads me to my next topic. What position group do you think will be aggressively pursued via free agency? Well, I'm with you as far as wide receivers. I think that's a group we could see a lot of movement. But for me, I'm keeping an eye on the pass rushers. And we've already seen, we just touched on it earlier, we've already seen a big move with J.J. Watt signing with Arizona. And I think that he's the first domino to kind of fall here. But some other key guys that I'm looking at is defensive end Leonard Williams. He's coming off of a great year for the New York Giants. He really fit into that defensive scheme that is a really aggressive, attacking, up-front scheme. And he fit in perfectly. He probably had the best year of his career. And so I'd be curious to see what happens with him if New York is going to be able to retain him or not and another another couple guys I'm looking at is Shaq Barrett Mm -hmm. uh, edge rusher for the now championship Tampa Bay Buccaneers he didn't have the same number of sacks that he did a season ago but he had a monster monster playoff run and he was really a key player in that Tampa Bay defense that got all the way to the Super Bowl there you know very consistent player he's been he's been a really good player every year he's been in the league and Bud Dupree linebacker for the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he had that late season uh, ACL injury, and I think that's going to hurt his stock a little bit. But this is a guy who really came into his own in the last two seasons with Pittsburgh. And so I'll be interested to see if someone gives him a three-year deal. I wouldn't be surprised if someone rolled the dice, even coming off that injury. Mm -hmm. And another guy to look at as far as edge rushers is Carl Lawson, edge rusher for the Bengals. This is a guy who flies a little under the radar, but if you're a Cincinnati fan, and you're well aware of Carl Lawson. He finished fourth in quarterback pressures mm-hmm. and second in quarterback hits last season. He might get franchise tagged. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the route the Bengals went, but he's a guy to look for in free agency, a really high-level player. And then throw in Trey Hendrickson for the Saints, Jadavian Clowney in Seattle, and Matt Judon in Baltimore. This is a really solid group of free agents, and all these guys can get after the quarterback, and we know how important that is in the National Football League. Being able to disrupt the other team's quarterback is almost as important as having a quarterback. So I, I'm really curious to see what happens with these group or this group of pass rushers this offseason. And the interesting thing is, as you talk about this group, I'm like, man, 
I know him. I know him. I know him. Wow, this is a deep, deep class. I just, I guess I haven't really focused on the pass rushing group being that I'm a Washington football fan and, you know, we're loaded with pass rushers and a defensive line. So I don't necessarily think, you know, about the pass rushers. But what I do think of is, you know, having like a depth guy, which there's some out there. But you, but you mentioned Shaq Barrett. And when I look at Shaq Barrett, he's a guy that has been in Denver for many years, flied under the radar because of all the great pass rushers that Denver has had and then drafting the Bradley Chubb. So when you talk about uh, uh, Shaq Barrett's numbers going down, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you see that three guys had at least nine plus sacks. So it's kind of like, you know, they got better and they kind of spread the wealth. But you put Shaq Barrett in the right system, I think he can have another 10 to 15 plus sack season. So it's going to be intriguing to see if, Tampa Bay pays them or not because they have so many guys to pay. You know, you have Levante David, you have Chris Godwin. I mean, you have so many guys, so they're going to have to prioritize getting Shaq Barrett back. I think you let Chris Godwin walk and you let uh, Levante David walk. And I think that Shaq Barrett, out of those three guys, to me, I think that Shaq Barrett is the guy that you got to sign. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And with the way Antonio Brown came on last year, they've got some depth at that position. And so I think Godwin might be one of those guys that's just a little too expensive. When you've you've got that much talent at receiver, I think you're right. I think they can afford to let a guy like that walk. And Levante David's interesting because he's been such an anchor for them on that defense. And, And you can't keep all these guys. And we see this every year. When a team wins the Super Bowl, all of a sudden guys need to get paid and there seems to always be some key players that move on after a Super Bowl run. But I'll be curious to see what happens here because I think Tom Brady, knowing what we know about Brady and his history and taking pay cuts and making team-friendly deals to keep talent around him, it's a big reason why he's had so much success all those years in New England. He was never one of the highest-paid quarterbacks, even though we knew how good he was. He was always trying to make the cap friendly so that he could keep a good offensive line, keep a good defense around him. I, I expected to see the same thing from Brady in these last couple of years here with Tampa Bay, and maybe they can massage this cap to get a guy like Shaq Barrett back on that roster, and maybe some of that rubs off. Maybe some of that that team-first attitude and, and the taste of a Super Bowl for a lot of these Tampa Bay Bucks. who, let's face it, these guys, a lot of these guys played there for a long time without a lot of success. Now they've climbed the mountaintop, and how hungry are they to get back there? Maybe some of these guys are willing to take a pay cut to stay on top absolutely i mean mike evans have come out on record and said hey i'm willing to you know redo my contract and spread that money around but as far as these guys that are free agents my motto is go ahead and get your money go ahead and get your money because this is a game where one injury can take you out so you can't try to give discounts with a hope of trying to get a super bowl you look at the uh what team was that 49ers they were supposed to go to the big game last year, right? But what happened? Injuries happened all over the place. You know what I'm saying? And guess what? Now you had guys like Trent Williams who wanted out of uh, D.C. He gets there, and then once again, he misses the playoffs. So I say this to say that in the NFL, it's so tough to get to the playoffs. It's so tough to get to a Super Bowl. But if history repeats itself, we all know that Tom Brady knows how to get a team. He knows how to will a team to the Super Bowl. So – It'll be interesting to say, interesting to see who takes a pay cut and who goes out and gets paid. 
Yeah, and I'm don't get me wrong. I I applaud the guys who who take a pay cut and are 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 willing to sacrifice for the betterment of the team. I think that's awesome. But I'm never going to knock an athlete for getting his money. They're, these guys play short careers, like you alluded to. It's a violent game. One hit could be your last. And so I'm never going to be against the guy who wants to go get his money. I I think you got to do what's right for you. And and I think either way is just fine. But it will be interesting to see how it plays out in Tampa. Bay because I do think with like you said Mike Evans and some of these guys kind of voicing that opinion already will it have an influence on some of these other guys to try to keep this thing together and try to go after another ring right absolutely so my next uh, topic right here is you know I wanted to focus on six teams and what they need so you look at the Houston Texans they've lost everybody man they've lost J.J. Watt they've lost DeAndre Hopkins they've lost the coach who let all these guys go. They're going to lose Deshaun Watson. So when you look at their situation, they have no cap. They have no money. I mean, they don't have anything. So they definitely going to need another quarterback if Deshaun Watson leaves, which he is going to leave. If he if they don't trade him before the season starts, it can get really, really ugly. So they need a quarterback. They're definitely going to need another wide receiver because Will Fuller's gone. Brandon Cooks is there. So you need somebody else to uh, you know help Brandon Cooks. Then on defense, they need just about every position of need. What do you think the Houston Texans do in this uh, free agent market? Man, your guess is as good as mine because you hit it on the head. This team has so many holes. It's it's kind of ridiculous. It kind of reminds me of those old cartoons where you see the guy in the raft and the water starts shooting up to the raft and he puts his hand over it. And then another <laughs> pops, another one pops up and he's trying to put his hand over that hole in the water. You know, he's got his foot on this one. And that's kind of what this team reminds me of because it is a mess. And, and Bill O'Brien really left the cupboard bare for the Houston Texans being the GM there trading away so much draft capital, trading away some of their key players. It, it just it went from this team looking like a team that was going to contend for their division, was going to be in the playoff mix, to all of a sudden you're looking around going, wow, they really – you don't even know where to start. I think for me, though – Uh, I definitely agree with you. There's definitely some holes on that offensive side, especially, but I think the defense is where I would probably address first. They only had nine takeaways last season, which was the lowest by any team in the NFL since Mm -hmm. 2018. This is a team that needs help on all three levels, need upgraded. They they need D linemen. They need a pass rush. They need both corner spots replaced. They've got guys that really just aren't NFL caliber players out there. And when you only only win four games and your quarterback has a historic season like Deshaun Watson did, you know, you're really bad on that side of the ball. So I I think for defense, considering how much they have to replace and now JJ Watt on his way out of town as well, I I think you've got to start filling some of those holes first and and then try to come back to the offensive side of the ball. Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, it's going to, it's going to be a process. And I think in a year, to about maybe three years that's kind of when this team will really start to you know look like something um but if but if they do trade Deshaun Watson that kind of opens up the door to have more so of a fast rebuild or a structured rebuild um you look at a team like the Jets they have a ton of money like we mentioned earlier and they have a new coach who comes in and is very defensive minded I've heard that they want to keep their uh their star safety in Marcus May most likely going to franchise tag him, but we don't know yet. Um, but they do want to keep him. He is part of their plans. 
what do you see the Jets doing in this free agent market to kind of help uh, build that team up? Well, it's, it's interesting because I think when you look at free agency, I think you have to kind of incorporate the draft as well, because I think a lot of these GMs are going to be blending the two with their strategy on what to do here. And I think the big question that you've got to start with when you're talking about the jets is if they believe in Sam Darnold, there's a lot of speculation. Some people think that they're going to move off of Sam Darnold in the draft and maybe go after one of these young quarterbacks. Some people think that they have belief in Sam Darnold and they can build around him so I think that is the biggest question for the Jets and I think that domino is kind of the first one that needs to fall in order to dis- to figure out what they're going to do next because I think if you do believe in Sam Darnold and you think that he still has the potential to become a franchise quarterback I know a lot of people don't but some do I think you got to protect him with more talent on the offensive line and try to get him some more weapons now Mekhi Becton their first rounder last year offensive tackle he was good last year but they need a lot more help up front so I think that's something that they're going to have to address whether it's in free agency or the draft or a combination of the two I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the draft they went after a Panay Sewell out of Oregon he's, he's been considered a generational left tackle talent that that I think would make a lot of sense. And if they take a guy like that there, I think it tells you right away that they do believe Sam Darnold is a guy they can build around. Now, if they go in a different direction and they straight out of that pick, I think that'll tell you a lot as well. But when you look at some of the wide receivers on this team, whether it's Mims, Crowder, Herndon, I mean, they're, they're good players. They're nice players, but they really lack a true number one, a playmaker, a, a burner, a guy who can really take the top off of defense. They don't have that guy. And I think whether Donald's the future or not, you're still going to need to address that position. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a position that maybe they get aggressive with in the draft. Maybe they try to go after a Godwin or someone like that. It wouldn't surprise me there. And I think outside uh, of that, I think you look at uh, running back, you know, this, this deal that they made to acquire Le'Veon Bell clearly blew up in their face and they desperately need a young athletic running back. So I think for the jets, it mostly starts on the offensive end, whether it's Darnold or not, you're going to have to build this team up because there's a lot of holes, whether it's the O line and the playmakers around the quarterback, they've, they've got to address those positions. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with everything that you've said. My plan for the Jets, if I'm the Jets, it can go two different ways. Because I've said draft Panay Sewell, right? And somebody told me, well, he's a left tackle. It doesn't matter. You take the best available talent, you can still play him at right tackle. He is good enough and athletic enough to play right tackle. Beckton is there at the at the left tackle. And I mean, I mean, it does not get any better than that. You get two left tackles that are elite in terms of talent and size, and then you protect you know, your quarterback, you can have a lot of success. That's one way. The other way, as you mentioned, is if they draft a guy like Zach Wilson, he's one of my favorite prospects coming out of the draft, but if you draft a guy like Zach Wilson, you can still keep Darnold, have them battle it out at camp. If Darnold wins, then you have Darnold start the season. Then you can trade them before the trade deadline. You know, I mean, you can get creative. You don't have to move Darnold right away. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that the Jets are just doing all of the all of like their research and everything, trying to put things in place. They don't want to move on so quickly. And like you said, they can even trade from two to five or two to seven and still get their guy. 
you know, there's uh, there's speculations that Panay Sewell might even drop to, you know, outside the top five, depending on if needy, you know, quarterback needy teams trade up into that, you know, top three, top four, top five to get a quarterback. So a lot can happen. It's going to be very interesting. A team like uh, Carolina, I believe they're drafted number seven. I'm not sure. But if they are, they can possibly call the Jets and say, yo, what's up? You know, I'm trying to get Zach Wilson. And, then, you know, so we'll see what happens there. And, then, of course, Deshaun Watson is always a wild card that can kind of mess up the entire draft and mess up the entire quarterback market. There are quarterback needy teams that are trying to pursue a guy like Sam Darnold, trying to pursue a guy like, you know, Watson and Mariota and all these different guys. So that can also change the whole landscape of the Jets. But what I think the Jets need to do is honestly, like you said, there's so many holes. Maybe you go ahead and get you a big marquee free agent wide receiver, one that fits your system. Then you can still go ahead and draft a guy like Travis Etienne. You know, maybe you trade back into the first round, late first round, you grab an Etienne, or there's so many other running backs that are going to be available early second round. So, they definitely need a running back. They definitely need weapons because the problem with Sam Darnold is that you're giving them all this patchwork guys. You're giving them guys like Roby Anderson and guys like Jameson Crowder, who's nice. And then you drafted a Denzel Mims last year, and that didn't work. So you got to do something different. You got to think outside the box. And I think having that new coach who's defensive-minded, he's going to think that, that the defense is going to work very well. So he has to go and spend money and spend draft capital on the offensive side. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And and I like your point about Darnold because whether he's the guy or not, I think the jury's still out regardless. But I think you're right. I think he's a guy you can hang on to for at least another year or going into this year because he's young enough that he's still going to have a lot of trade value. So if you decide halfway through the year or maybe six games in, you're two and four and things don't look good, maybe then the organization decides, hey, let's, let's move off of Darnold if they took a guy like a Zach Wilson for that, you know, to go with your scenario. You know, if they took a guy like that, maybe you move Darnold because he's still going to have a lot of trade value. Teams are always looking for a young quarterback that they think they can build around. And so I like that that scenario as well. And I think there's no rush to get rid of Darnold either way. Absolutely, absolutely. And then we move on to the next team. You got the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, this, is, this team right here, it's a funny one because they were in the Super Bowl and then a whole year later, they're just decimated by injuries. I mean, injuries left and right. And then you have a prized guy in Trent Williams that is going to walk in free agency. I mean, he's going to command at least $20 million a year. He feels he's that good. I still think he has two to three more years left in the tank of elite play. And he was one of the best left tackles last year, believe it or not. So, I mean, they really have a lot of work to do. And then you have the running back situation. You know, you had Kenyon Drake that you brought in. You you transitioned, tagged him, and, you know, that didn't work out. Um, you know, Kenyon Drake, Drake was up and down, and then it's kind of like, okay, are the 49ers going to go out there? I'm sorry. <laughs> I got Kenyon Drake mixed up. <laughs> I got it mixed up because the 49ers, they use a lot of different running backs. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about uh, Mozart, and then, you know, every year it just seems like Shanahan is just moving that <laughs> – just, I mean, it's just somebody different every single year. But they have a lot of different holes. I think wide receivers are fine. They got to shore up that offensive line. They got to figure out what, what they're doing at corner because Richard Sherman is the guy that's probably going to leave and go get paid. So what do you think the 49ers can do to help improve their team, draft or, or free agency? 
Well, I think, I think you hit it on the head. I think that tackle is a position that they'll look at. This draft class is not as deep at the tackle position as last year's class, but there are a lot of quality uh, offensive linemen in general. So maybe that's a position they address in a second, third round. Maybe they try to get a value guy there, or maybe they do go after a free agent there. But I think the position that really stands out to me, you hit it on the head is cornerback because this roster, it still has a lot of talent. Like you alluded to, this is the team that was just in the Super Bowl, not that long ago and if it wasn't for injuries they probably would have made another deep run at it now i think general manager john lynch i think he still believes in jimmy garoppolo even if most of us don't so i I don't think they're gonna draft a quarterback i don't think they're gonna try to trade for a qb it would surprise me if they did i think they're still gonna roll with him this team has been built around the defense we know that that's kind of their calling card for the last several years and so i think that cornerback position I think it's the most glaring hole suddenly on this 49ers defense. I'd be surprised if they don't address it early in this draft or free agency and go after a guy who who could come in and solidify that spot right away. But it's, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a combination of, the bo- of both. You know, maybe you get a veteran corner and then take a young guy mm-hmm. to try to put it that number two spot. Hey, Patrick Sertan, I'm just saying, you know, uh, I'm not sure exactly where the 49ers draft, but I'm pretty sure it's, Maybe in the top 13, maybe top 15, somewhere around there. I'm not quite sure. But, I mean, you could definitely address corner in that draft and just hey, say, hey, you know, we, I mean, offensively, they're nice. You got George Kittle. You got two young wide receivers. Jimmy Garoppolo is a capable quarterback. He's not terrible, okay? And then with the running game, look, I trust whatever that coach is doing when it comes to running backs. He gets anybody. He can take me and plug me into that system, and I will produce at least 600 yards rushing. It's just a nice system for running backs. But defensively, it's definitely where they have to shore up some things. Maybe uh, a safety or two. I don't even know who's back there safety-wise. And, um, I mean, the pass rush is there. You know, the, like the defensive line is there. There's still a lot of talent on that defense. And they're just like a piece or two from making that team a contender once again. I, I completely agree. And I, and I love the Patrick Sertain call. I think he is a guy that could be right in that sweet spot for where they're drafting. And, and he's a proven guy with an NFL pedigree. His dad played in the NFL. He's, he's well coached from the best defensive backs coach in the country and Nick Saban. The guy really knows how to get the most out of those players. And, and I, I like that pick a lot for them. I, that would be a perfect match. Absolutely. And they can always trade back and still get their guy based on, you know, this uh, uh, draft being so uh, uh, saturated with quarterback-needy teams. So I think it's going to definitely shift a lot of really good players down. So you don't necessarily have to draft at your a particular spot just because there's so much focus on that quarterback position. There's Panay Sewell out there. You got Micah Parsons out there. So there's like some can't-miss prospects that are out there that's going to draft some of these guys' uh, uh, names down. And you can possibly trade back and still acquire your guy and pick up an extra second or third. So that'll be interesting to see. So the Carolina Panthers, we all know they need a quarterback. I don't think they're happy with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, last year, he had some pretty good wide receivers. I mean, you got Christian McCaffrey, even though he was hurt, Mike Davis stepped in and still gave them, you know, a nice little punch. I believe that Mike Davis walks in free agency. So you got to replace that. You, you're going to need a running back. You're possibly going to need... Uh, 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 some offensive linemen. You're possibly going to need maybe a uh, maybe a corner. 
I know they have a really good corner, but they might need another one. So what do you see the Carolina Panthers doing free agency or draft? You know, a lot like the Jets and the Texans, some teams that we just spoke about, this team has a lot of holes as well. And it starts with what they've done in the draft. So if you go back to just 2019, they had seven draft picks. And less than two years later, only one of them is a starter. And that's Brian Burns, the defensive end. They have really whiffed on the draft in the last couple of years. And so they've got a lot of holes to fill. And I think it's going to take a combination of free agents in the draft again and hopefully for them they can hit on some of these guys because last year they took all defense in the draft it was pretty amazing to watch they didn't take a single offensive player in the draft and if you look at what this team really needs they need offensive line help they need help at safety they could use a wide receiver and I think they need help at linebacker as well but you hit it on the head because they need a quarterback first because Bridgewater is not the answer we know this now he's been in the league long enough where I think we've seen what Bridgewater is we've seen his ceiling I think he's a guy that if you look at Carolina and where they're drafting in this draft, I expect them to be aggressive and take a quarterback early in, early in this draft. And you talked about it a little bit ago. They are a team that I'm watching closely because I think they could make, make a move with a team like New York, someone you talked about, and maybe try mm-hmm. to jump ahead of some of these other quarterback needy teams to exactly. get their guy. Because I think they know that they have got to get that position position solidified and I think if they take a guy early you could let Bridgewater be that bridge quarterback no pun intended but I think he could could be that guy for them because he's still a solid player he's a savvy veteran and I think he's the right kind of player that you could let a young guy develop under a lot like we saw Patrick Mahomes do a lot like we saw Aaron Rodgers do years ago and these guys developed into really high level players so I think we're, we're too quick to try to throw these guys into the fire and I, I it's right. not always the right route and I think he's a guy that you could still get a solid year out of and then develop your young quarterback of the future absolutely hey, I'm a hundred percent behind that statement so we have the Miami Dolphins we talked a little bit about them earlier I think the biggest need for Miami right now was a wide receiver one or wide receiver two depending on how you view Devontae Parker and then you definitely need a running back look um, what's his name came in? I can't think of his name right now. The young guy, Miles Gaskins, and you know, did some good things, but you need a legit running back. Just imagine if they use that uh that first round pick later on down the line and uh, draft a guy like Travis Etienne or Najee Harris or or the kid from North Carolina. I mean, just bringing a game changer to kind of help that offense. I mean, if Tua is your guy, you already got your franchise tight end. I mean, you have some good things in place offensively, but I really think that's where they need to spend uh, their their uh, draft capital as well as uh, money on in this free agency. What do you think? Well, you, you totally took the words out of my mouth. Offense, 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 because we saw that Miami has put together with, with Flores uh, as their head coach, a defensive-minded guy, and some of the moves they've made on that defense. This is a top-10 defense in the league. That, that oh, is yeah. a solid unit that really doesn't have very many holes at all. They've got, that, they've got that defense really humming and playing at such a high level, and we saw the offense was really the Achilles heel for this team last year they were very average and and really below average at times throughout the year and it was the only thing that kept this team 
from cracking into the playoffs because they are a competitive, competitive team on the defensive side of the ball. So I think they have to address that offense. You hit it on the head, especially at wide receiver. Now, I think Devontae Parker's a nice player, but I don't think he's a true number one. I think if Devontae Parker is your two receiver, then I think you're in business. So I think he's a guy that they've going to have to go after a playmaker, a difference maker at wide receiver, a guy who can truly step in there and solidify that side of the ball and you hit it on the head as well with the running back miles gaskin the seventh round pick rookie he kind of burst onto the scene last year but i still think they could use some depth there they don't really have much behind him so i would expect them maybe in the second round maybe in the third round somewhere in there running backs are usually a position you can get in the middle rounds and still find a lot of value so i or maybe you go after a free agent it wouldn't surprise me but generally running back is a position where you want fresh young legs you want to bring in a guy on a cheap contract and and i think that screams the draft so i i I think i expect them to go after a wide receiver early in this draft they've got an an early pick because of that trade with houston they're going to be picking early in this draft and they're going to have their choice of a guy like a jamar chase or a Devontae smith they're going to have some elite players available to them and so i would not be shocked at all if they went after one of them and the other position of need is the offensive line they're going to have to address this i think this is a position they've ignored a little too long mm-hmm. and offensive line is something they're going to have to build up because if Tua is your guy you're going to need to protect him this is a quarterback who's been injury prone we've seen that he's been injured in college he already got injured his rookie year in the NFL nothing major of course but he's already been dinged up so this is a guy you're going to have to protect so I also expect offensive line to be somewhere that they're going to need to address whether it's free agency or the draft if they're smart you take Panay Sewell at number three Period. I mean, you take the best offensive line talent, and maybe with that number, I think they pick number like nine, uh, not nineteen, but like you know, late like mid twenties somewhere because they have two picks. With that other pick, then you can go ahead and draft your wide receiver. You might have a guy like uh, Rashad Bateman out there available. You might have a uh, Rondell Moore if you want to go that high on him in the first round. I mean, so you have some guys that are going to be available receiving wise that you can even. You know, get a guy like uh, uh, Wallace, uh, you know, second, third round. So, but if they're smart and Tua is your guy and being that he's been injury prone last year, you know, he had two big injuries in college. You got to shore up his blind side and move. I mean, you have Eric Flowers. You have a line that's nice, but they're not great. But you bring in a Panay you can make that line great. Being that you don't have the kind of money that you had last year. I mean, you're 10th in money, but it's only like 28K. So you definitely got to, I'm 100% with you. You got to shore up that offensive line. Yeah, no, you're right. And if Panay Sewell is available there at three, I think it's a really smart choice as well. This is a guy, I think the term generational talent might be overused a little bit, but this is one of the few players that I I think the term actually fits. A lot of draft analysts and a lot of people who watch this stuff closely, they all say he could be the best offensive line prospect in over 10 years. He is a really, really special player, and these kind of guys do not come around every year. I totally agree. I totally agree. And then the last team that I have on the list is the Washington football team. This team right here just cleared up some space. They have a lot of holes. Um, you know, if Ronald Darby leaves, then you got to replace him. I mean, then it becomes like one of their most biggest needs, corner. So you got to figure out what you're doing there. Um, you would figure that they will bring in 
uh, running back to help Antonio Gibson, you would figure that, you know, the team is looking for a wide receiver, whether it's draft, whether it's free agency. So talk to me a little bit about the Washington football team and what they can do to improve their team. Well, with Washington, I think the obvious answer is quarterback. I, I don't think you can build around Kyle Allen or Taylor, or Taylor Henneke. You know, these guys are nice players, but I think we've seen enough to know they're, they're more than likely not franchise guys. I don't see them developing into franchise guys. I think they would be most likely – they'd most likely have to trade up to get into that top quarterback prospect mix in the draft. But I wouldn't be surprised if they go that route. It, it really wouldn't. I could see them being aggressive. I think Ron Rivera knows that that's a position that he's going to have to sure up. He's got that defense playing at a high level. They were really solid on that side of the ball. And you just can't win with an average quarterback in this modern league. They've got, they've got pieces at other positions, but I think that's one that I could see them moving some draft capital and trying to move up in that draft to get their guy. But I also think they need a legit number two wide receiver to help out Terry McLaurin. This is a guy who's really played at a high level, but he's got all the weight on his shoulders because they really don't have a legitimate number two that can take some of that pressure off of him. So I wouldn't be surprised if wide receiver was a position that they go after in free agency or maybe somewhere in the early rounds of the draft. Absolutely. So do you see any big trades or big cuts happening in this free agent uh, period? You know, some of the guys that I'm looking at is I wonder if Michael Gallup, the wide receiver for Dallas, could be moved. After drafting CeeDee Lamb, they have a lot of depth at wide receiver, but they've also got a lot of holes to fill. And I think moving a guy like Lamb could free some some space up or maybe get some extra draft capital where they could try to address some of those holes. Uh, some other guys that I'm looking at is Stephon Gilmore, the cornerback from New England. I haven't seen any rumors or stories that a contract extension is in the mix in New England and so I wonder if they'll move him and try to load up on some draft picks as well I think the Browns could trade OBJ I think at this point Baker clearly is better without him and he's a guy who's been injury prone we know how talented he is but it just hasn't really meshed in Cleveland and so I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that they try to move and then Chandler Jones I think could be gone after missing most of last season he's getting a little bit older on the other side of 30 and now bringing in J.J. Watt, it wouldn't Mm -hmm. totally shock me if he was a guy that maybe they tried to move. And of course... The two big ones, and you've touched on it a little bit, is Deshaun Watson. I know he's he's really the big chess piece here that everyone's looking at. It seems like he's digging his heels in here, though. You know, he seems to be really set on leaving Houston after signing a contract extension, but he doesn't really have any leverage. This is a guy that if he decides to sit out, Houston is like, hey, you're going to miss out on $20 million. I mean, I, I don't it, – it's really hard – for these guys to sit out and, and and leave that kind of money on the table. I know he wants out of Houston and I, and quite frankly, I don't blame him, but this game of chicken is going to be really interesting to see what happens there. But the other big one, of course, is Russell Wilson. I think the rumors and the reports of him being traded are starting to heat up. I think there's a legit possibility that he gets moved to this off season. I think the Dallas Cowboys actually make the most sense here. It's a team that he said he'd play for. And when you've got the Cowboys in this Dak Prescott situation, they clearly seem like they can't agree on a deal. If they franchise tag Dak Prescott, it's going to cost them $37.7 million. And I think they could put a package together with some picks, 
and they could get a better quarterback and Russell Wilson and actually pay less for him than they'd have to pay Dak. When you look at those wide receivers in Dallas and the prestige of that star on that helmet still holds a lot of weight. So I wouldn't be totally shocked if we saw a huge move like Russell Wilson playing in Big D. I mean, hey, that's pretty interesting right there because if you look at it, Russell Wilson loves to pass the ball. He's a quarterback, and the offense was clicking at a high pace last year when he was throwing the ball. Then Pete Carroll switched to that running thing, and, you know, Russell Wilson got mad and, you know, put the ball in his hands. He's an MVP candidate. He's an MVP caliber guy, and, you know, Dallas, they love to pass the ball. And being that Dallas's defense is terrible, that means that Russell Wilson is going to have to be passing a lot. And you see that Russell Wilson is not afraid of Dallas offensive line taking a hit. So that's definitely going to be a fit, um, especially if they keep all three wide receivers. It's going to be a field day. <laughs> it's going to be a field day for, for him. And I think that style of offense fits what Russell Wilson loves to do. Now, being a, a Washington football fan, I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. I don't want to see Russell Wilson twice a year. But if it does, it does. <laughs> you know, It just is what it is. So now – uh, let's go ahead and play a little game. Let's just kind of see where these free agents are going to end up. So I'm going to give you a name of a free agent, and then you just tell me where you think they end up. Cool? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a big guessing game, but we'll we'll give it a swing here. Absolutely. So we'll do about maybe 20 of these. And, okay, let's go ahead and start off with your guy, Dak Prescott. Gosh, this this one is fascinating. I, I think, you know, I just spoke about Russell Wilson and possibly being a fit in Dallas. I, I think that he is going to end up being a Dallas Cowboy this year. I think Dallas most likely is going to have to take that big franchise tag hit and and try to work out a deal in the, in next year. I, I think that's probably what they're most likely going to try to do, but it, it's certainly a mess in Dallas. I, I, they've really screwed this thing up here with this contract, and, and it's going to cost them a lot of money with that coming back, especially off the injury. So it, it'll be fascinating to see if he gets moved but i my hunch says that he'll still be a dallas cowboy the same thing here i mean this reminds me of the kirk cousins and the redskins fiasco a few years ago i mean they're gonna franchise tag him again and then next year i think he walks i mean i just don't see them saving that marriage after you know two years of franchise tags um alan robinson this is a guy that you're hearing rumors about him going all kinds of different places. Um, I, I, you know, I don't really know what to make of all the rumors. I, I think the bears would, uh, would love to keep him there, but I I think someone's going to make a play for him. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was a team like the jets or a team that we talked about earlier that, that could really use a wide receiver, possibly the Panthers, one of these teams that we spoke of that could really use help at that position. So it wouldn't surprise if it was one of those teams that uh, used some of that free agent money and just filled the hole there. So when I think of uh, Allen Robinson, I think of who has money and who has a quarterback. He's tired of playing with bum quarterbacks. And if you think Trevor Lawrence, you know, yes, he left Jacksonville, but you're thinking Trevor Lawrence and you're thinking, man, Jacksonville can pay me whatever I want. So that's a, a very good possibility there especially if he wants to play with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who likes to air the ball out. Um, Next guy on my list is the safety, Justin Simmons from the Broncos. 
Gosh, you know, that's that's another guy where you're going to have to find a scheme fit for him. Um, I think he, he fits what they like to do. But once again, here's the Panthers that have a need at safety. So they're another team that could certainly be in the mix there. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say who wants to fork up the money for a safety though. You know, this is, this is a position that we, we know it's valuable, but it's, it's a position that a lot of guys in NFL circles say that you don't want to overpay for. And we just saw Seattle way overpay for Jamal Adams. He, he had an impact on that team, but I don't think it was the kind of impact that they were hoping for when they gave up so much to get him. So mm-hmm. I don't see anybody really opening the wallet for him, so to speak speak but uh it will be interesting to see where he fits i think he fits better in more of a cover two type of look but um but yeah you know there's certainly plenty of teams that that fit that role and it's and it's funny how you said uh jamal williams because it just seems like box safeties started to say but box safeties they don't really they're like big linebackers i mean jamal williams i mean jamal adams I mean, he had a lot of sacks, so I'll kind of give him that. But a guy like Landon Collins, who was overpaid, he has not lived up to that status. And it just seems like free safeties are more important than the strong safeties, in my opinion, because it just never really pans out for these safeties. And it's a position that, you know, you can't overpay. You cannot overpay. Yeah, I, I agree. And and like you said, when you're looking at a guy who 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 is more of a box guy or, or versus a guy who's more versatile and better in coverage, in this modern era where teams are airing it out more and more, I think you gotta have a guy who's versatile and can cover as well as play the run. All right. Next on my list, Levante David. Boy, you know, I I wouldn't be – I think Tampa Bay is going to find a way to keep Levante David. This is a guy who's a captain of their defense. He's been a leader for them for so long. He had such an outstanding run in the playoffs, and I, I think they find a way to, to keep him there. I think with Brady taking less, I think with Mike Evan and some of the guys we talked about earlier, I think they're going to be able to massage this cap and find a way to keep Levante David. Yeah, I think that Levante David, he's getting up in age, and I think he's going to get as much money as he can. Um, he's going to look for teams that need a middle linebacker, cough, cough, Washington football team. So he, he's going to want at least $14 million a year, even if it's just a one-year deal. So I can see a situation where Tampa Bay does make it work money-wise to go ahead and retain a guy like that. Chris Godwin and Kenny Galladay. Uh, you know, I, I think like we talked about with Godwin, I think there's a lot of different landing spots for him. Um, once again, I think the Jets, like we spoke of, I think they're in desperate need of a playmaker like him. I could see them going after him. Or, or another team um, that you touched on earlier would be a team like Jacksonville that really has a lot of money to spend, has got a young quarterback, and is going to need a solid wide receiver to come in and fill that number one spot. So I think there's a lot of landing spots for a guy like him. I think Kenny Galladay is, is maybe a lesser version of that uh, because of some of the injuries and whatnot. But um, I think both of those guys uh, have a lot of landing places, uh, so to speak, just because of the value they bring at that position. Right. I see Kenny Galladay as a potential uh, tag guy, franchise tag. And then Chris Godwin, I can see him on a team, possibly the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, Fitzgerald is retired, I believe. And, I mean, they don't really too much believe in Christian Kirk. So they might just say, you know what, we're going to go all in on offense. 
we're going to go only on offense. We don't care about defense. We're going to try to outscore everybody. So there's a potential that they draft a running back and then they uh, secure that uh, wide receiver too with a superstar caliber wide receiver. Man, could you imagine that too? Him, him, and Hopkins on either side—that would be absolutely nasty. Wow, that'll be sick. That would be sick. And you know, we've seen teams like Cleveland try to, you know, overpay wide receivers to kind of get that explosive offense. And the only reason I say that this can be done is because Kyler Murray is still on that rookie deal, so it kind of gives you some flexibility to kind of do some crazy things like overpaying a wide receiver and just going all in, saying, "Hey, we're going to outscore everybody." And it's not it's not like they have a, a good tight end. So they're just trying to, you know, get creative. Um, I mean, just imagine if the Cardinals are able to draft a guy like Kyle Pitts too. Woo. Yeah, and Kyle we and we just saw and... <laughs> Yeah, we, we just saw him make a really splashy move with JJ Watt. So maybe they're not done spending. You could be right there. And and you hit it on the head. When you've got a quarterback on a rookie deal, it does free you up to go after some bigger free agents. Absolutely. Oh, this next name, you might like this one. Hunter Henry. You know, everything I'm hearing is that he's going to get tagged uh, for the Chargers. I, I think that he's a guy that I that has too much value there. I think they like what they're building in, in L.A. with Justin Herbert and, and having their quarterback of the future there. I think they're going to want to keep him around to, to build this offense around Herbert. And, and I've read multiple re- reports that he is more than likely going to hit the franchise tag here. Hey, I totally agree. Um, Will Fuller. You know, this one's fascinating because I, I, you know, I've, I've heard multiple reports about will, where will Fuller could possibly land. If, if I'm a team looking for a wide receiver, I don't touch will Fuller. The guy just can't stay healthy and he seems to never live up to, to what you expect him to be. We see these flashes of brilliance, but I, it's never sustainable. And so I, if I'm a GM, I, I stay clear of Will Fuller, but I think there's a long list of teams that are going to look to to possibly uh, pick up a guy like that just because of the talent. Absolutely. You're going to like this one. Well, I like this one. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. the Fitz Magic. Where do you think he ends up? <laughs> Gosh, what team hasn't this guy played for at this point? Um, it, it's kind of crazy. I, you know, he's one of those guys. I think you bring in, uh, you know, he's he's a backup at this point. I think we know that. If you've got a young quarterback and and you really want to to have a guy that you can groom um, and you want a, a veteran presence around him, I think he's the perfect guy for that. A, a lot like Alex Smith, like we talked about. I kind of see, I kind of see him and and Fitzpatrick in a way being those guys that could really come in uh, maybe one of these teams that's drafting a quarterback here this year uh well one of these teams you know like a jacksonville or one of these teams is going to have a young quarterback um where they're going to want a veteran guy in that quarterback room to help these guys break down film help them learn the nfl game i think he's the perfect guy for that so i'm looking at teams with young quarterbacks and where he could come in and, and add some value in that role and there's a possibility that the Saints take a quarterback and then maybe they're not able to retain a Jameis Winston. So maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out there to be their bridge for their rookie quarterback. So that's the possibility there. Uh, Aaron Jones. You know, I, I think if, if 
if Green Bay's smart, I think they'd find a way to keep him. Because I, I think when you look at this team, Aaron Jones was really the balance. He really brought the balance to that offense that they so desperately needed. I think A.J. Dillon was was an okay player, but I, I don't think he really lived up to where they drafted him. And so I, I would be surprised if they don't find a way to keep Aaron Jones. But, you know, running backs are a unique position because it's, it seems like teams are getting smarter and smarter about running back. You're not seeing a lot of teams that really want to fork up the money for for a running back um they just they have a short shelf life they're guys that usually you get uh, three maybe five years at best with most most of the time and and that's about it so i think i think if i'm green bay i try to find a way to keep them but if the dollars get too high you, you you let them go because uh you know you just there's always another running back and they've got a young one on their roster already so um yeah, it's it's. I think he's one of those guys that ho- hopefully you make it work because I think he fits our offense perfectly. I think he gives, he sets up that play action and brings value to that balanced offense. But um, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't pay him big money. That's for sure, or any running back for that matter. Right. I think he'll be too expensive for Green Bay to retain. I think Green Bay lets him go. They're probably going to draft another guy in the between the third to fifth round. I think they go for the cheaper option and retain in Jamal Williams. And then, hey, I mean, you drafted A.J. Dillon with the second-round pick. So, I mean, you're drafting him to be the future. So, I think they roll with A.J. Dillon, maybe a rookie, and Jamal Williams. If they can't retain Jamal Williams, then they bring in maybe somebody like a James Conner, who's going to be a little bit cheaper uh, option, or some of these other uh, – Marlon Mack, that's another name out there that, you know, they can possibly bring in at a cheaper uh, uh, rate. Last name on my list is Corey Davis. Gosh, you know, um, I I think he's a guy that um, is, is fascinating because he, once again, you've got a lot of teams that could use a wide receiver, but this is another deep wide receiver class. So it, it's it's hard for me to say who's going to go. You know, who's eyeing the draft at this point, and who wants to pay uh, a wide receiver? You know, I I think if if I'm a GM, I go into the draft and, and avoid. Um, unless you're getting a guy like Godwin or a truly elite level guy, I think I avoid receiver in free agency because this is just going to be another loaded wide receiver class. And th- this is not the days of old where it took two or three years for these receivers to kind of come in. These guys are coming in and making noise in year one now. That's so we, we've seen that in these last few years. These receivers are making an impact early. Um, so I I certainly wouldn't open the wall for him. Who, who do you think that he, where he ends up for you? I think that Corey Davis is very intriguing. I can see him on Green Bay as a cheaper uh, option as the wide receiver, too. I can see him in Washington, especially if Washington drafts a slot guy in Rondell Moore, then you get a Corey Davis. So I can see him on several different teams that actually need wide receivers and actually thirsty and hungry. And I think that the Titans can tag him, but I don't think the Titans will. Therefore, he's going to have to take the highest amount of money that he can get. So when I look at teams, he's probably going to be a wide receiver two to already established wide receiver one. I mean, I can see him in Arizona. I can see him in, you know, several different teams that need a for sure solid um, wide receiver two. So, I mean, the Jets are a possibility as well, but I think the Jets are a team that might overpay uh, Corey Davis. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to kind of see where he ends up. 
Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that fit in Washington is a perfect fit as well because, like we talked about earlier, Terry McLaurin is a great player, and they really need to find somebody to take some of that pressure off of him. Right. Somebody, anybody, please, Lord, help (laughs) this team. They need somebody. But, Brad, man, it's been fun chopping it up with you. Tell the fans where they can find you once again. Hey, I really appreciate it, man. It has been a blast. I love your show. Thank you so much for having me on. Once again, I'm Brad Fowler. I'm the host of Pint Glass Football Podcast. It's available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, all the uh, uh, big podcast apps and players. You can find it just about anywhere, iHeartRadio, etc. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at PGF Podcast. We're going to be starting season three in April. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of draft coverage and and breaking down this offseason. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute blast. I appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. So, guys, once again, this is your host, Manny, and you're listening to Talking Sports with Manny. You can follow me on Twitter at TS with Manny and Instagram, TS with Manny, Facebook and YouTube, Talking Sports with Manny. Thank you guys for catching this episode. This episode was really fun. Um, For those of you guys that have been rocking with me since the beginning, I appreciate you guys. To my new listeners, I appreciate you guys. If you guys can share this podcast with one or more, um, it means a lot to me. Um, I'm now on YouTube as well. Um, Apple, Google, Spotify, no matter where you are listening from, it's all love. If you guys can please subscribe and uh, rate and leave uh, a review, it would really bless my heart, man. Appreciate you guys. Follow me on Twitter at TS with Manny. Follow me on Instagram at TS with Manny. You guys stay safe. You guys be blessed. I love y'all.